0: Welcome to the very first episode of the Encore. I'm Chris McCoy, and you may have listened to me during my radio days. There were a lot of those. And for some of you, this may be the first time that you're ever hearing my voice. Now, I'm going to be your host for this podcast, uh, and I'm really excited to be taking on this new adventure because, well, it's different than anything I have ever done before. Now, I've spoken into a microphone for years. But never for a podcast. And I took this on because after 45 plus years in radio, I finally retired, but I felt like I had a lot more time on my hands than I knew what to do with. So what do I do? So when this idea was brought to me, it really was interesting for me to think about, kind of like a, my next challenge, so to speak. And actually the person who brought this idea to me is my producer, who I want to introduce to you in just a couple of seconds here, but when she first brought it to me, I was hesitant because I was so busy and it's been cool to visit the idea again, now that I'm retired and have as the aforementioned all this extra time, because I think it's a new challenge that I can pursue and that I'm definitely ready for. So that person that I was talking about is my producer. She also happens to be my very extremely let's put it not very extremely talented uh niece gabby hi gabby
1: hey there um just like chris said i will be working as his producer this season and i am very excited to get started
0: by the way no pressure just because i called you extremely talented and creative i know
1: really setting the bar low i appreciate that
0: <laughs> so anyway gabby as i mentioned before you're the one who pitched me on this idea and the first time you pitched me i was working out in California, and I was getting my West Coast legs under me. And I really didn't, you know, even though it sounded intriguing, I really didn't think I had the time to do it. And it, when COVID hit, I knew for sure I didn't have the time to do it uh, because I was working from home, which for some reason was a lot more difficult than actually going to the studio every day, except for the, the lack of commute, which I definitely appreciated. And I think most people will understand when I say that. But what made you think this was a worthwhile enterprise for us to pursue?
1: Well, the first thing that I thought was that you definitely had a face for podcasting.
0: Oh, thanks.
1: Yes, definitely a face for an audio medium. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, I'm, don't wait. I'm
0: your father's brother. So come oh, on. Oh <laughs> No,
1: <laughs> sorry, dad. <laughs> uh, after getting to witness a, such a large part of your career, um both as your family member and a listener for me it was just natural that i wanted to suggest a podcast to you you've had such a tenured career and you're so great at interviewing you have such a great voice it made sense to be a next logical step for you to take and i was honestly really happy that you considered it at all and i think what's exciting about it is is that it will give you Kind of that room that maybe you didn't have in radio to explore topics and interviews with things that were exciting to you
0: well it's true you know radio is a bit more structured than uh than podcasts and uh, so it's something that i'm still exploring as i go here i could play music i had uh segmented breaks i wondered if i was interesting enough quite often to do a podcast <laughs> And, you know, sustain a conversation or an interview for like a half hour, 45 minutes to to, to a full hour. But we decided that we're going to give it a go in spite of my reservation.
1: (laughs) I mean, I knew one thing that was really important to you from the start of this was you were going to take on this project while you were working in your career in radio. Connecting with that audience and your listeners was something that was very, very important to you. And moving forward, we definitely want to make that a staple of our show here. I guess I would like to ask you, do you have any expectations for this podcast? What made you say yes when I brought it up to you?
0: Well, uh, you presented it as a challenge, and uh, that was kind of the key for me. I wanted to try it out because it was exactly that. It was a challenge. And radio really became second nature to me sort of early on in my career, and this was something that I had never done before, but one thing that I really enjoyed from time to time is that is kind of transferable to this podcast thing is that's talking about things that interest me. And I found uh, over the course of the years that nine out of 10 times, if it's interesting to me, it's probably interesting to you too, as a listener. And that 10th time was always the time when you said, Chris, not really interesting, let's move on,
2: <laughs> which I usually
0: would do. And, you know, for me, uh, as far as the radio thing goes, the best part about it through the years was the collaboration I had with other people. I always, with with a few exceptions, worked as an ensemble. I hosted morning shows in Philadelphia and New Brunswick for years and years. And we'd all get up at half past stupid in the morning, (laughs) come into the studio with our mugs of coffee, some of us still getting dressed and some of us still putting on makeup. And we just get to talk about everyone and about different things. And a lot of us were parents of young children at the time. And we would sort of talk about things that we thought other adults would relate to. And in this project, I'm really looking forward to that aspect of it. Again, the collaboration, not only with you, Gabby, (laughs) but with you, the listener, and with some people that I'm going to get to interview as time goes on.
1: I definitely agree, and I think one of the reasons you were able to connect so well with those who listened to you when you were on the radio was because you spent such a long time in one spot, in one market, and I've noticed that that's something that's really a rare feat for a radio host.
0: Yeah, I was lucky uh, to have like a really long-term role right in my hometown, which I was born in Philadelphia, raised right across the Delaware in South Jersey. And uh, I, I was able to sustain being here for most of my career. I put down roots, bought a house, raised a family, went to work events here. But I also got to see my kids grow up. I got to attend the soccer games on the weekend. And of course, those dreaded dance recitals. <clears throat> I'm just kidding, girls. I loved every minute of all four hours. of them. <laughs> but I, truthfully, I had a lot of success in, in the Philly area. And I am eternally grateful for that.
1: I know it was honestly really surprising for me when you decided to take on a new adventure out in California. Um, How does one leave our area and willingly go somewhere that doesn't have a Wawa? I mean, (laughs) I guess I could ask myself that same question, considering I live away from a Wawa now.
0: Right. You're in New York City. And (laughs) uh, while I was not working full time in radio at the time. And my options here in the Philadelphia area were very limited, let's put it that way, and my daughter and son-in-law found out they were moving to California. Now, my son-in-law, and he was transferred based in the Bay Area, and so I kind of thought, hmm, nothing's going on here, let me extend a couple of feelers out to the West Coast and see if anything happens there. And as it turned out, I sent, uh, you know, my package out to a station in Sacramento and, uh, I got a call back and the guy said, you know, let's talk about this. Do you really want to leave Philadelphia and come to California? And I said, yeah, I really do. I, I said, I wish you had Wawa's out there, but, you know, <laughs> but I'll make do with whatever they have, uh, this thing out there called, uh, oh what the heck is the name of the coffee shop they're everywhere you drive up it's 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 just a drive up coffee shop and they're everywhere out there and people love them kind of like we like the wawas here mm-hmm. except those poor people have no idea they don't sell hoagies mm-hmm. they don't they don't sell newspapers they don't do anything else just <laughs> coffee and i kind of feel sorry for them for that but anyway <laughs> uh I, I ultimately i got the job in california And I was able to move out there and be there when my daughter had, uh, uh, her son, her first boy. And, uh, that was beyond, beyond cool for me Mm -hmm. to be there for that.
1: Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Um, I'm sure it's the, the really brutal winters that brought you back here to the East coast. So welcome (laughs) back.
0: Yeah. I wish, you know, when we sold the house here in Jersey to move out to California, also I left the uh, snowblower with the people who bought the house oh man yeah i wonder if i could like you know offer them some money and get that thing back uh because my you know my back is four years older than it was when i left
1: (laughs) this is a plea to the new owners can we get the snowblower back
0: (laughs) please i'll uh, give you twice what you didn't pay for it (laughs) all right let's I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break. By the way, I thought of the name of the coffee shop in California that's everywhere. It's Dutch Brothers. That uh, was driving me crazy. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we'll be right back with more of the Encore. And we're back.
1: Hey, um, so I thought it would be really great for your new listeners or just people that haven't heard from you in a while. You told us about how we got to this point. Tell us a little bit about your career. What led you to hanging up the headphones?
0: Well, uh, we got to go back to, let me see, it was 1974, 1974. I was going to school, I was going to Kennedy County College, I was not really into it at all, uh, I, I, took, I, I took a pause year after high school, which ended up to be, well, I'm still in that pause year, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was a, a psych major, and I didn't really want to do psych, but it seemed like the most interesting thing to me. But what I really wanted to do ever since I was a freshman in high school was be on the radio. But I thought, nah, that's never going to happen. I mean, how many people get to do that? So while I was going to school, I was also taking classes at the American Academy. It was kind of a broadcasting school. Some of them are still around. And as I neared the end of the I think it was a three month course as I near the end of it on the bulletin board there, they had. You know, potential job offerings. And one of them was for a little AM radio station down in Vineland, New Jersey, uh, that was looking for somebody to work nights. And I thought, well, I'm up at night. (laughs) I'm 20, 21 years old. I can probably do that. Why not? So I took the number off the bulletin board and I called the guy. His name is John McIntyre. John is out of the business, he's a financial wizard these days. And I called John and I said, Hey, look, I, you know, I'm as green as green can be. I haven't even graduated from broadcasting school yet, but I would love to be on the radio and I would love to come down to violent and work for you. He says, okay, well, let's, why don't you come on down and we'll talk about it. So I did, we went down, we talked about it. We hit it off really well. He was just like a year or two older than I was. And he hired me. And the way I see it is he was going to hire the next guy that walked in that door. (laughs) (laughs) And it just happened to be me. So I lucked out. That's how I got into radio. So the foot was in the door and the rest of it is kind of like, you know, a whirlwind uh, to me. From there, I spent a couple of years there at my first station. Uh, I was making, I was bringing home $63.57 a week. That's what I cleared after taxes.
1: (laughs) That's what I make after taxes, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You poor thing. But I, I, you know, I looked on it as, you know, they're paying me 63 bucks a week to go to school to learn how to do this radio thing. So I spent a couple of years there. And then I heard about an opportunity at a slightly bigger station in Ocean City, New Jersey, if there's such a thing as a slightly bigger station in Ocean City. But there was right there at 10th and Asbury, a place called WSLT. It was an oldie station at the time. I was so into oldies. It, to me, that was like, Oh, my dream job here early on in my career. Uh, but the coolest part about that gig was I worked mornings and after my shift was over, I was able to run down the few blocks down to the beach and get some sun for a, an hour or two every day before I went home. So that was kind of a cool thing. I had no idea what was yet to come from there. I went to a a bigger station in Atlantic City, WMID, and that was a top 40 station, and I worked nights there. It really wasn't my cup of tea. I wasn't like into screaming on the radio doing the top 40, you know, hey, everybody, here's number one, number one, number one. (laughs) So uh, I I was kind of looking to get out, but to get out and do what and where, I had no idea. And then a guy from a Philadelphia radio station that I used to listen to happened to be visiting Atlantic City. And he was visiting somebody he knew at the radio station there at WMID. And I got a chance to talk to him out in the hallway. And he said, you know, they're looking for part-time up at WPEN, which at the time was called 95 PEN. And they were doing oldies and doing a really good job of it. Some very talented people on the air. And he said, why don't you send a tape up? What have you got to lose? So I did. I sent a tape, and about three or four days later, I got a call from the program director there. Peter Mockover was his name, still is his name, as a matter of fact. And uh, he said, "Why don't you come up for the interview?" So I went for the interview. We talked. We hit it off. He called me a couple of days later and said, "I've got some part-time work for you. Are you up for it?" I said, "Absolutely." Here I am now with my foot in the door in Philadelphia. This was like unbelievable. Just a few years ago. You know, I was working at Acme Markets as a cashier and going to school. And now here I am working in Philly Radio, my dream all along. So I got onto PEN. That lasted a few years before PEN switched to what they, I don't know what they would call it. I called it the uh, American Songbook. you know, so being a guy who's 21 years old at the time, I was not really well versed in people like Tony Bennett and Frank Sinatra. Uh, Forgive me. I just wasn't so that didn't last and i was kind of shown the door there the door led to a hallway which if you walked all the way down the hallway was a station called wmgk which at the time was also known as magic 103 and it was an fm station still is and i the uh, program director there said hey you know i heard what happened this was the very day i got canned at pen he said i heard what happened uh, maybe we have something for you. Why don't you, uh, give me a call. So I did, I called him, we talked, I had known it, but really not all that well. We talked and he said, uh, I think I would like to put you on, on the weekends part time. So I said, okay. So I, I started doing that for WMGK. And within two weeks, he called me back and he said, I want to move you into the midday. And I said, full time. He said, yeah, full time. So that was cool. Yeah, and yeah. I did that. And I spent the next 15 years doing midday at WMGK. Now, again, <laughs> this was one of the things about radio. You see, radio is not a very um, what's the secure career to go into. You know, things are always changing and formats are always changing. And magic did very well for a very long time. Uh, But there was an awful lot of competition in the city for the very same audience. And we came, eventually came up on the short side of that. So they changed formats. They went to an all 70s format, and it just wasn't working for me. So I got shown the door again. And from there, I went over cross town to B101 to do the morning show. I was, very, you know, when I, when I think about this and when I talk about it, I realized how darn lucky I was, you know, this doesn't work out for most people like that. I just kind of fell into a lot of these jobs that I spent years at. So I got the morning show at B101 and I spent the next 14 years doing that. And that was a lot of fun because that was the first time I got a chance to work as an ensemble with a group of people. And uh, we had great chemistry and we had very good ratings and we all made a lot of money and it was very, very cool until it wasn't. Uh, and once again, uh, there's the door, but you know, again, I had spent 14 years doing the morning there. And uh, I went up to a station that was looking in uh, New Brunswick called WMGQ. And I got a job there doing mornings and that lasted for another nine years. And after that, the station was sold to another company The company was looking at the roster one day and said, wait, how much does he make? Do We really need to keep him in that position. So I got uh, I got shown the door there, too. So that set me up for working part time in Wilmington, which I did for about eight months. And then we get to the point where my daughter and son-in-law get transferred out to California and nothing was happening for me in this area aside from part time work. So that's when I decided to take a chance and uh, started looking in California. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: That's awesome. One story that I just wanted to share with our listeners from one of the times when you were working at B101 was number one, being about eight years old and getting to brag about how my uncle was a local celebrity. And then having you come in and do the Pledge of Allegiance with my second grade class, which I'm sure that tape exists somewhere in my house still was just such a cool experience. And th- I think that was one of the things, as, as minor as it was, I think that was one of the things that really left an impression on me and what made me want to try, you know, pursuing my own career in the same field, so.
0: Mm-hmm. A- and and you did, and you, you've you been very successful. And, and it all started from that Pledge of Allegiance, that one morning.
1: You two can establish an entire career <laughs> off of the saying of Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs>
0: that's great thanks for i you know what i think you may have told me that story once before but i forgot about that uh, yeah we, we went to back in the day it was after 9 11 and we went to a lot of schools and the kids wanted to do the pledge of allegiance and we recorded and played back in the morning on the morning show and you were your class was one of them How about
1: mm-hmm. that? yeah it was good memories good memories <laughs> to set up what was to come
0: all right look I, we're going to take another quick break here and when we come back. I'm going to introduce you to four people who are very important to me here on the Encore. So let me introduce to you guys four people who are very special to me. Two of them. Two of them, my wife and I raised. And I'm talking about my daughters, Lauren and Becky. And the other two, well, they just kind of are hangers on their husbands <laughs> <laughs> Lucas and Phil. And by the way, Phil and uh Becky are uh, we're taping this on their month anniversary of their That's wedding right. so happy anniversary guys.
2: That's right. Thank, Thank you. you.
3: Woo one month. Yeah. Bit of a month. I know. Wow.
0: <laughs> and Lauren and Lucas, uh it, it's kind of funny because we all left New Jersey and went out to California within a month six weeks of each other. Uh, Lucas, he was transferred out Bay Area. And shortly thereafter, I think like just a couple of days afterwards, I got the job out in Sacramento, California at the radio station KSEG, the Eagle, and moved out there uh, about a month later. The way it worked out was really good because Lauren was ready to give birth at any moment. Oh, gosh. She, yes, (laughs) she was... (laughs) More than nine months pregnant with my first grandson, their first son, Travis. And why don't you pick up the story from there, Laura?
4: It felt like uh, I was receiving a gift from the heavens, honestly, uh, because we were. We found out that we were expecting. I really think it was like the same week that we found out that we would be moving all the way across the country my first time leaving the area. And so the timing, I mean, we were very excited, but the timing was just like mind blowing. It was like this dichotomy of excitement and just like pure what the heck is going on. Finding out that you were going to be coming out there and joining us was, it was almost unbelievably too good to be true. I mean, for the fact that we were going to have family with us when we thought that we weren't going to have any, and we were going to be sort of fending for ourselves and then also the fact that you were going to be able to spend time with your grandson, your first grandchild, when we thought that it was going to be sort of like this almost non-existent re- relationship, at least in the beginning for the first few years, where you weren't going to really get to spend any time with him. So so it, it could not have worked out any better. And I don't know how you felt about kind of hanging out with us for those first few weeks, day in and day out, but we, we certainly liked having you around.
0: Well, the whole thing, I I still to this day, I still can't believe the way it worked out. I mean, it was just almost as if it were preordained or something, because I was I had been working in radio uh, in Philly most of my career and then worked up in North Jersey. And then I was working part time in Wilmington, Delaware. I couldn't get arrested in Philly radio anymore. Nobody wanted (laughs) here anymore. So I said, okay. You guys don't want me. I'm going to see what's going on out in California. And this was around the time that we knew that Lauren and Lucas were actually being transferred out there. So I rolled the dice and the dice came up exactly the way we hoped it would. And I got a call from the program director out there and he said, come on out. We'd like to interview you. And I went out and did the interview for the weekend. And three days later, he called me back and said, what do you say? How would you like to come out? indefinitely, which was exactly what it was because we spent four years there and it couldn't have worked out any better. And of course, grandson number two came along too, before we all moved back here to New Jersey. But one of the things I wanted to mention is, is that both of my sons-in-law are traditionalists, so to speak. Lucas, (laughs) this is a great story and I hope you don't mind that I tell it. Lucas called me up one day while I was still working in North Jersey and he was down at the air force base uh, about 20 30 miles away
5: Oh man. He, Is said, it going
0: he said could you meet me for lunch and i said yeah okay sure so where do you want to go chick-fil-a one of lucas's <laughs> all-time favorite restaurants <laughs> so we we decided wow. we would meet at chick-fil-a and i pulled up there and lucas was already waiting for me we walked in we ordered at the counter we sat down When we got there, there was nobody in the restaurant. It was completely empty. It was right before the lunch rush. Lucas and I sat there right up in front at a table by the counter. And then he said to me, I'd like your permission to have your daughter's hand in marriage. And I said, are you kidding? He said, no, I would like to have your permission. So, of course, I said, permission granted. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. She's all yours. And I started to I started to tear up. And he started to tear up. In the meantime, there was this crush of lunchtime people coming in, standing in a line, going right by our table. And I said to Lucas, you know, these people are probably thinking, oh, those that couple just broke up.
5: <laughs> and what makes the story even better is I was in uniform.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> it's your dear John moment.
5: <laughs> so, uh, I'll, I'll i wish met... i
4: could have been there honestly yeah. i really do
5: hey just a quick quick follow-up too on the on the last story you told uh i thought it was so crazy how we you know we we did our, our goodbye there because we stayed with you guys the last couple of months before we moved to california and I, i'll never forget the goodbye with the whole family including becky in the driveway waving us, waving to us as we drove away with our oh, with my jeep and lauren's uh hyundai uh, on the back of the <laughs> on the back of the trailer yeah but, We took our two weeks to get out there and you got there like three days after we finally got to California because we picked (laughs) up at the airport to go to your interview. And then you also were the first person to sleep in our new house on base because you're still staying next door at the neighbors. And we had an air mattress set up in the guest room and you slept you were the first person to sleep in our house on base. I didn't know that. That's really
0: funny. Yeah. Those were fun times. They really.
5: (laughs) But our breakup at Chick-fil-A was even better.
0: Yeah, Yeah, well, eventually, Roberta came out. And uh, once she got the house in New Jersey sold, she came out to California, too. And we were able to move out of your house there on base and into an apartment in uh, Woodland, California. So I'm sure you guys were you were glad to see us go. You were happy to have us out there. But, you know, who wants mom and dad living with you all the time? Even if you have a brand new infant in the house, which I I totally understand. Now on to Phil, who a lot like Lucas is a traditionalist as well. I was in California, but Phil, you were still in Jersey and you called me up one day, one afternoon while I was at Lauren and Lucas's house with the grandsons. And you said, Chris, I would like your permission to marry your daughter. And I said, "Wait a minute. Lauren's already married?" <laughs>
4: I'm in high demand, what can I say?
0: <laughs> he said, "No, dummy, I'm talking about Becky." I said, "Okay, absolutely." And uh I teared up then. Nothing. I yeah, once again, you know, to get me to cry is not a uh, is not a difficult task. But at least they weren't we weren't in the lunch crush. I was <laughs> I was, I remember I was in Lauren and Lucas's backyard. There was nobody else around. I don't know what, how, I think you teared up too, Phil, if
2: I remember correctly, right? Mm-hmm. It was right after I bought the ring. And I was so excited to tell someone. Then I was like, oh, wait, I need the first person I need to call is you, of course. And I FaceTimed you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> FaceTimed you right in the parking lot. Right as I walk in the, in the, the parking
3: lot of Jared, yeah, Jared parking lot. I went to Jared. He went to Jared. I
2: went to Jared.
4: Well, at least if he said no, you were really close to Jared yeah, and you could have return. made a quick return.
2: <laughs> a quickie return, been like, yeah. hey, hey, sorry, sorry, this was a mistake. <laughs> driving it back, but in cash.
4: <laughs> I don't know if you drive it off the lot. Is it like a car? Does it lose its value that quick?
2: I don't know, I don't know what the refund was. It was still on the lot. It was
3: still technically
2: on <laughs> the lot. It left the building. So.
3: It did leave the building. I did not know that. I did not know that Phil asked you for permission. Um, as a matter of fact, he and I, you know, it's not like when we got when he proposed to me that it was this
1: huge
3: surprise. I mean, we were already planning a wedding prior to us getting engaged so it wasn't it was never a surprise to me but he and I talked about whether or not he would ask you for permission and he was like "Mm."
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember that And I was like
3: I was like you know I I know that both of my parents would absolutely be on board with us getting married I mean they're already helping us plan this wedding and we're not even engaged yet i was like but i think i think it would be nice if you still did the traditional thing and asked for permission so he was like eh. Eh.
4: Well, you and, didn't know was that he." and then he ended up doing it and yeah. i
3: didn't know that he never told me
2: i thought i told you
3: you did not so that's actually this is a really nice story that i'm hearing for the first time
2: i just keep surprising you yeah. You do <laughs> Well, I, I thought it was, I thought it was one month.
3: Happy one month.
0: I surprising each other one nice. month you know what? I didn't ask your grandfather for permission to marry your mother. So I think now that he was like, just
3: get get her off the market.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in hindsight, I probably should have done it because I, I appreciated the gesture on uh from both of you so very much. It was just it's just one of those things that you know I thought went the way of the horse and carriage that you know guys just didn't, didn't just do that anymore and for the most part guys don't do that anymore but you yeah. two did I, I appreciated that very much bill did, did you have a, a story about the first time you thought you met me yeah <laughs> first of all guys you have to understand that uh when phil and becky first got together uh we were already in california so otherwise none of this would have happened I would have put the kibosh on it right away.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but remember the time you thought you met me?
2: Yeah. So <laughs> about a week or so into dating Becky, seeing her, uh, she tells me that her whole family's coming down to. Um, coming
3: see, across the country. Not yeah, coming down. Right, so They're coming flying 3000 miles. The
2: way across from California yeah. to see uh, or to celebrate Lawrence. 30th birthday party and i remember becky you texted me on a sunday like hey this you could totally say no (laughs) but my parents are gonna be here my my sister and her husband's gonna be here uh my nephew's gonna be here you can meet everyone because like we don't know the next time you might be able to because they're all the way out in california and i was like okay i quickly texted back okay but fully freaking out yeah (laughs) 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 um then I went over to your place and Chris and Roberta were there and it was fine you guys made me feel very comfortable (laughs) then we went out to um a bar in Philly and about an hour or so in of drinking I see who I think is your dad who also I left back at the house thinking that your dad and your mom are going to babysit Travis. Mm-hmm. Turns out I went up to the wrong person. It was Chris's brother, John, who <laughs> looked very alike.
4: <laughs> I could tell That's amazing. Know. I love that you did that.
5: That's a sticking point between the brothers, right? <laughs>
3: yeah. well, just
2: for him, for, Lucas, for just for, for John. For
4: the record,
3: there are four siblings my dad and Uncle John are the furthest apart in age. My dad being the oldest of the four, and he was mistaken for the youngest sibling. So, way You're to go, Chris! Yeah, way to go, Chris.
0: I asked Becky if she would make that distinction because I was embarrassed <laughs> to make
5: it myself. Thank you, Beck. <laughs> for the no record, problem. what's the what's the age difference? Almost
3: years.
2: Yeah,
5: eight yeah. years. Yeah, I was but,
2: so certain that was you. I thought really like oh cool you you made it out I guess you just uh dumped your grandchild (laughs) off on your wife and it came out I was like that's awesome (laughs)
3: never misses a party
2: (laughs) all right so So, you know
0: I apparently we have a or at least I have a long history of staying with my daughters and their husbands uh because when we moved back to New Jersey from California uh my wife and I Roberta and I stayed with uh, Becky and Phil at their house, and what while we were looking to buy again out here in New Jersey, and what I thought was going to be about a month turned into four months, four months, and was
3: it that long?
0: Yeah, <laughs> four wonderful months. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it, it was good, but you know, you guys had only been together a short while, and you'd only been in that house for a year so you know here you were now with mom and dad with you all the time and you know mom and dad wanting to run your life and you know all you know how parents are but you know if it wasn't for the two of you i don't know what the heck we would have done we probably would have had to stay in a motel six or something
4: hey hey you could have stayed with us It 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 might not have been as quiet and uh and peaceful is what we you probably got to The you. motel six
3: is what that is saying.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, you'd never offered. So your sister <laughs> offered. So.
4: Uh, okay. Well, there was one moment where Lucas was away for work and I was crying to you guys about how overwhelmed I was doing parenting by myself and at one point you were i mean i was like full-on dramatics crying i mean i don't not want to downplay the emotions of that time because they were real and it was hard but at one point you stood alone and said lar we'll move in with you then and you know mom's face was like uh no we're not and then me going <laughs> well that would be helpful uh but i don't Ah, uh, nah <laughs> And I love having you guys around. I just, I thought that that for both of our sake, I thought that might not be the best solution. You know, it's a lot. The kids are a lot, you know, but having you come and help me out, you know, when I needed it though, anytime I needed it, really.
3: They were still, they were still there. No, they were living with, with me and Phil, but they were still at your place pretty often.
4: Yeah. So yeah.
3: I feel like it was a good, it was a good balance. Yeah. It was a very good balance. Yeah,
4: And I think that was also, you know, you guys in those moments, I really needed the help and the, the company, which it wasn't, oh, it wasn't just about help. And I I hope you guys know that, that it's not just about what you can do for me. I genuinely enjoy spending time with my parents, which is something I never thought I would have said at 16 year old me probably would be a right now, (laughs) but, but I think that those times gave also afforded Becky and Phil the opportunity to kind of like okay like we get to have our you know alone time or date night or whatever it was that that you needed so it was a i I think i think it was probably a good balance
3: Bill would go are they staying over at lauren and lucas's tonight (laughs) are they staying over (laughs) Uh, you know i was like no no four four months i don't know i don't know yet i don't know and, and, find then, out. and then and then we would get the ring cam notification that there's someone at your front door. And I was yeah. like, no, Phil, they're home.
4: <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh back come on.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm you just, know what? I'm, I'm just I'm, joking. I'm so glad your mother doesn't listen to podcasts, Becky. <laughs> She'll never hear this. So that's no, uh, she, won't. Was, <laughs> she won't.
3: <laughs> you know, one you one know, of the things I remember we loved, we loved having you guys here. I mean, throughout those four months that you guys were staying with us, you often said to me, you know, <clears throat> it, it feels like it's an imposition. We, we don't, we want to get out of your hair. We don't want to put a strain on anything. And even though there were times where I was with mom specifically, I was transported back to like being a, just being a teenager. But there is one thing that I said to you every single time we had these conversations and I meant it Mm -hmm. and it was, I appreciated everything that you guys were doing for us. We loved having you here. And even though there were times where it was a little tense, I really, really loved the time that we got to spend together, especially since there were years that we only saw each other over the phone.
0: Yeah, true. Very true. And, You know, I'm glad to hear you say that, Becky, because we're going to have some major work done to our house here, our new house now. So we're probably going to have to move back in for about a month.
3: Oh, yeah. Is that all? Not four? (laughs) Well,
0: who knows? The first time, one month turned into four. So you never know. But no. (laughs) You know, one of the things I just wanted to mention this, uh, it was such a, a cool thing. And I think Lauren and Lucas would agree with me on this. Uh, even though we were all working in California, did it not feel like a four-year vacation in some respect? Because we were experiencing things that we hadn't experienced before. And there's, there's an awful lot to do out there where we were. In Well, you guys were in the Bay Area. We lived right outside uh, of that. But I mean, Napa was right there. San Francisco was right there.
4: Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. And so many, and so many other things. I mean, really our Tahoe trips and just the little day trips in between Monterey and all, all of those places. And even though, you know, 18 or so months of that was COVID, I felt like we were kind of the lucky ones, especially having kids that we could be outside enjoying, you know, the year round nice weather and coming back here and experiencing this frigid temperature that we're dealing with now. I'm like, oh, you guys were doing this and you couldn't even go anywhere. Like you just had to be home. We at least had, you we know, at least had the California sunshine to get us through.
5: Yeah. There, there's not many places in the world where you can uh, be on a beach, you know, in shorts <laughs> and a t-shirt. although maybe shorts and a sweatshirt in California, let's yeah. be real. Yeah. and and then get yeah. in your car and drive two and a half hours and be you know skiing and like legit mountains so we're, we definitely miss our california time uh for that respect you know having sun for 300 days out of the year is pretty nice
0: yeah absolutely and we'll we'll go back and visit again sometime yeah. if
4: except do you remember happen. the time that we drove to the beach for the day and then as soon as we got there it started pouring rain
5: <laughs> I, it was lightning. It was lightning Which as well. it was
4: like not doing at all. And we just looked at the skies and we were like, are you kidding me? Yeah.
0: So we packed the, the kids in the car and we went out to Sausalito and had uh, lunch at yeah. a cafe. I mean, that's yeah. what you do. Oh, you yeah.
5: That was the one day in four years that I heard lightning or sorry, heard thunder and saw lightning at Travis Air Force Base. And that was the day we took our boys to the beach. Yeah. So Really? Yeah. <laughs>
0: One of the other things, aside from uh, from having the two grandsons and the two of you out there with us, was that we got to, and I know Lucas has mixed feelings about this, we got to see the Eagles win the Super Bowl while we were mm-hmm. in California.
5: Oh, man. So
3: that was a bummer. I felt so sorry for
4: you guys. <laughs> that we weren't oh, there son. to to we, partake not, in the uh, festivities. Yeah, it was a little lonely.
5: We were sad they won, too. It
4: was a little lonely. No. You were <laughs> bitter. <laughs> No, it was it was kind of lonely being out in California for the Eagles winning the Super Bowl because it was like, you're kind of celebrating on your own. I mean, rem- I remember seeing people getting their like Dunkin' Donuts cups and it's like, we, I def- I'm like, I took that for granted when we were in the area that you just are surrounded by that same level of excitement and support and we really didn't have that at all except for each other.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it. It was a shared experience back here, you know. Uh, yeah. people in in this area, in the Philadelphia region, you know, got to all celebrate together. We were celebrating with, well, we were on base on the mm-hmm. Air Force Base there at your house, and there were people from all over the country there. Oh yeah. And, you know, so but we weren't like we couldn't celebrate <laughs> with other Eagles fans because there weren't any. Not yeah, any. and that I'm um, including Lucas in that. Lucas grew up a Minnesota Vikings fan and that happens, you know, we still love him, but uh, the thing is, he grew up he in the Atlanta, Georgia area as a Viking fan.
5: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's rough, rough living, especially in 98.
4: <laughs> so Lucas yeah. is kind of used to not having a fan base around him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's He's true.
0: It's true. You did have that experience before we did. But but those were great times out there, but it, it sure is. Would you agree with me? It's, it's nice to be back.
4: People ask me that all the time. And I am so, so happy to be back. I think I will always look fondly upon those days and I'll always share stories with the kids and we'll always have so many pictures and, and videos. And I'm glad that you guys were there to help us sort of memorialize that experience in a way, but. But no. And I thought, oh, I'm going to go back and I'm going to wish I was in California again. And I'm going to see everything with fresh eyes and I'm going to hate it. And I don't know. It it hasn't happened yet. I'm definitely very happy even in these, even with the winter. I'm happy. So
5: except for our taste in wine, that has definitely changed.
4: Yeah, that's ruined (laughs) things a little bit for us over here.
0: Yeah. I hear that there's no place like where we were out there within striking distance of Napa and Sonoma and all those great wine regions. And then we come back and, and I'll close it off with this. I think Um, Becky and Phil just had one of the most extraordinary wedding ever, aside from Lauren and Lucas's wedding five, a little more than five years ago, uh, just a month ago as we tape this here on the 21st day of uh, February. That was a great wedding. And you guys looked spectacular.
3: Thank you, we did.
0: Yeah. We, already, I mean, already, we looked phenomenal. I've already shared a picture <laughs> of you and me uh, on my Chris McCoy Facebook page.
3: I saw that, I love that picture.
0: Yeah, so maybe with your permission and you you decide, you be the curator, you, you send me a couple of pics that you'd like me to share and I'll do that. Because it was just such a special wedding. It was such a special night. It was freezing cold. And I remember the, the uh, photographer had the entire wedding party outside in what must have been six or seven degree <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> and while everyone was lining up, everyone's standing there in their <laughs> shivering. And then the photographer says, okay, now smile. And everybody stopped shivering. Everybody looked like it was the middle of June. <laughs> I just thought that was amazing because you look at those pictures and you would never know that you were freezing your asses off out there.
3: There were some that? solar shots of me where you could see every tendon in my neck. <laughs> <laughs> you could see it. You could, you could hear my teeth chattering in the photo. Um, but you're, you're absolutely right. For the most part, I looked at those pictures and we all, we look like a good good looking group of people honestly Mm -hmm. an attractive family
2: that
0: it was
3: we looked looked good as a unit really
5: i got got one story i gotta tell um do you remember the time and i'll i guess i'll lead into the story by saying that we always used to go so our oldest son travis has a very special relationship with his pop um and anytime he comes over we always go out and, and do stuff obviously uh, and usually it's the three of us to go and do outdoor activities. Uh, it just always works out that way. I don't know why. Now we have Jack tagging along as well. But the the story of when we went to Mirror Woods and Lauren did go along with us for this one. But do you remember the the tranquility of being in Mirror Woods with those giant redwoods and all the the peace and serenity? And then all of a sudden there was a, and there was a blowout of Travis's diaper.
0: It was nature versus nature, actually.
5: And in standard, um, standard fashion by us, we did not bring the proper backup clothing for him. And oh, so wow. we Jerry rigged something together to get him. I'll never forget taking that diaper. And and we're on the side, I think there was a bench, there was a log oh, yeah. that had been sliced in half, and there's people walking by as we're trying to clean this poop up and figure <laughs> out somewhere to put it. <laughs> Yep. in one of the most peaceful places on earth, I'll never forget that. That's like one of my uh, my accounts Well,
0: we, <laughs> we told people that we found Travis that he had been raised by wolves there and <laughs> <laughs> and we were rescuing him and it had been a while since he'd been cleaned up. so <laughs> that's
5: right.
4: Oh man. yeah that'll I'll never forget that moment.
0: Well look hey. you guys, thank you so much for uh, being part of the very first episode of the encore podcast and uh we'll see where it goes from here um i love you i love all four of you more than i could ever say and not just because you did this tonight
4: well thank (laughs) you thanks for inviting us to do it yes thank you so much this was fun i will just say right now that you haven't lost your touch at all you're such a natural at speaking and um your segues and your voice everything sounds really good so I know you've always been able to hold a captive audience, so I I think you'll probably be able to do it again.